Blog Talk Radio. The Four Persons Inc. is a federally registered and licensed 501c3 charity. Any use of any of our content without our permission is prohibited by law. Our purpose is evangelization, education, and social action. Please go to our website at thefourpersons.com or our blog site at thefourpersons.net to make your tax-deductible donation by credit or debit card. You can also send a check to The Four Persons, Inc., P.O. Box 11214, Manassas, Virginia, 20113. To contact us, send us an email at email at thefourpersons.com. Saturday Burnt Toast and Coffee Show with apologist William Hemsworth on the Four Persons Network. William is passionate about teaching the faith. He is a convert that attended a Baptist seminary. He is a father and a catechist that will encourage you to live the faith, evangelize, and defend it. To call into the show, the number is 515-602-9655. Once again, the phone number to call into the show is 515-602-9655. Hello everyone, welcome to the Burnt Toast and Coffee Show. My name is William Hemsworth and I hope you're all doing well on this Saturday afternoon and where I'm at, it's Saturday morning. It's only 9 a.m. here because I'm in Arizona. Half the year we're on... Pacific time, half the year we're on mountain time because we don't do daylight savings time around here. Anyway, God bless you all. Thanks for tuning in. And thank you for your support of the Four Persons Network. We have a lot of great things happening on the network, a lot of great programs. And please please consider uh, supporting. If you can't do it monetarily, please support us with your prayers. Well, today we're going to continue on with our journey through the ancient church manual known as the Didache. And if you recall, last week I did a, a summary, and the Didache is divided into two parts, the way of life and the way of death. Well, today we're going to get into chapter four, and it's going to conclude the way of life. And so next time we're going to get into the way of death, just in time for Halloween which is the Catholic holiday, by the way. All right, my friends, chapter four of the Didache. Now, before I get into chapter four, uh, I just want to get into some personal news. Um, had a pretty be- be- busy week here on the writing front. Um, I hit that publish button on a book I've been working on for a long time called Essays in Old Testament Interpretation. It is uh, currently going... It's in the process of being published on a variety of platforms. It's probably not going to be on Amazon because Amazon is weird and they want exclusive rights to stuff with self-publishers. Don't know why. 
But anyway, it's going to be everywhere else, that one. And also, another one is on pre-sale on Amazon. It's exclusively on Amazon. And it's called Through the Sands of Time. And it's a historical look at the New Testament letter Philemon, or Philemon, depending on how you want to pronounce it. It's a very short book. That, that book of the Bible is often ignored. It's only 255 words. But there's so much great stuff in that book that we often overlook. And so that book is coming out on the 23rd. It's available for pre-sale now. And I have 86 pages on the book of Philemon. Love was a lot of fun doing it. I have more. I'll be working on more in that book. It's actually low-key. It's one of my favorite books of scripture. I read it a lot. There's so much stuff in there that we can learn, not only historically, but in today's time. And my friends, keep me in your prayers as well, because October 23rd is when I go in for surgery. I'm having my knee replaced. And so I just ask for your your prayers and your continued support as I as I go through that process of recovery and therapy, walking, etc. All right, but let's go ahead. Let's get into Chapter 4 of the Didache. And the subtitle of this chapter is actually called The Exhortation for Church Harmony and Personal Piety. Because there's a lot about living the Christian life here and how we should treat others. And I think with the synod of synodality underway, synodality underway, there's been a lot of um, negative press. There's been a lot of um, misinformation about what is happening in that synod. And there's been a lot of people... Um, I'll just say it, flat out engaging in acts of calumny against the bishops and Pope Francis for what they think is going on, on from one of a lot of those talking heads whose primary job is to get clicks and they spread that spiritual porn, if you will, um, to get people to click and share and everything else. And it's maybe not 100% factual. So let's listen to the words of the Didache today. So remember, the Didache is the, it's a very early church manual. It's the earliest manual written. Um, most scholars say it dates back to the first century, even when the Apostle John, St. John, was alive. This was floating around. And it was, it was a way to teach new converts coming into the faith, um, a way to teach Christians how to live the Christian life. All right, so let's get into it. Dedicate chapter 4, verse 1. It says, My child, you shall remember night and day him that speaks the word of God to you. And you shall honor him as you do the Lord. So let's talk about that one for a little bit. Remember night and day him that speaks the word of God to you. Remember can be a synonym for prayer. Remember those who speak the word of God to you. Who spoke the word of God to these people in the first century? It was the priests, the priests that were ordained by the apostles. And so I bring this up. I talked about the synod. And I think this first verse of the Didache rings true today. And here's why. Are we praying for our priests? Are we praying for our deacons? Are we praying for our bishops? Are we praying for Pope Francis? Or are we content to just vilify, misrepresent, hope for failure? Not only is that against Scripture, but it's against this document from the Didache. 
So remember, St. Paul says in multiple places, the Ephesians, Romans, pray for your leaders. Pray for those appointed over you. So, look into your heart. Is that what we're doing? Are we praying for those who speak the word of God to us? Or are we saying, I wish they would say this. And don't get me wrong. Criticism, we're not, none of us are above criticism. But there's an issue when we're criticizing, one, without offering solutions. But secondly, if we're not praying for wisdom for those people. So let's pray for our priests. Let's pray for our deacons. Let's pray for all the clergy. Let's pray for the religious. And pray for vocations, of course. So, maybe you're listening and you're one of those people that maybe are not looking into the facts. You're taking these talking heads as gospel, if you will, and what they're saying is true instead of digging into it yourself. I mean, come on. We need to pray for our priests, for our bishops, for Pope Francis. Let's be honest. The devil is coming after them hardcore. Spiritual warfare is real. Let's not add to that spiritual warfare. Let's combine in arms against the evil one for the success of Christ's church. Verse 2 Chapter 4, verse 2, for wherever the Lord speaks, there is the Lord. You know, when I read this passage, I think of St. Ignatius of Antioch, writing in the 2nd century, that wherever Jesus is, there is the Catholic Church. Something to think about. Chapter 4, verse 3, moreover, you shall seek out day by day the persons of the saintly, that you might find rest in their words. So, my friends, who are we hanging out with? Are we seeking out good Christian friends? Are we seeking out good friends who are trying to follow the Word of God, follow the teachings of the church, those who are encouraging us to live holier lives? Now, this doesn't mean that we don't have friends that aren't believers or anything. By no means am I saying that. But we need to make choices. Is all of our time spent with people who are encouraging us to do the wrong things? Or are we seeking that good fellowship with others who are helping us get to heaven? All right, let's talk about verse 4 here. Chapter 4, verse 4. You shall not make a schism, but you shall pacify them that contend. You shall not make a schism. There was only one church when this was written, guys. The Orthodox Church hadn't even split yet. That didn't happen until 1054. And, of course, the Protestant Revolution hadn't happened yet. That didn't happen until 1517 and beyond. But you shall not make a schism. Reform from within. 
The church is made up of sinners. Yes, it is Christ's church. It is established by Christ. But everyone within the church is a sinner. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. The priest will tell you they're sinners. That doesn't mean bad things aren't going to happen, unfortunately. But we could rest in the words of Christ where he says, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. This doesn't give us authorization if we disagree with something that our priest said to go off and start another church. Or if we disagree with something that Pope Francis said to go off and start another church. There's one church established by Christ. One church has the fullness of the truth. We are to stay within that church. Now, but the second part of this, but you shall pacify them that contend. Pacify doesn't mean like in, in this context that you're going to bend to their whims. That doesn't mean that at all. But what it does mean, oh, one second here. Don't you love when computers decide to do their own thing? It's like sometimes it's Skynet, like the Terminator movies. <laughs> all right. But I want to look up for you right now the definition of pacify. All right? It means to quell the anger, the agitation, or to bring peace. That doesn't mean to bend to the whims of the age or anything like that. But it does mean maybe listen. Okay? Listen, maybe that's one thing that, that's happening with the church today, is the church is listening. Maybe that's what the church is trying to do. I'll be honest with you, I have not kept up on the synod as much as I should. I can only tell you what my bishop, Bishop Weisenberger, has told me and others. That is to listen to what the people are experiencing and to find ways to help them in their faith. That's what I've been told, so I'm going to roll with it until I see otherwise. All right. Chapter 4, verse 5. You shall judge righteously. You shall not make a distinction in a person's status or class to reprove, to reprove him for transgressions. Now, one of the most misinterpreted Bible verses is that one that says, do not judge lest you be judged. Now, we are to judge righteously. And that's what scripture tells us to do. Okay. Now, we are not to judge whether someone is going to hell. That is not our job. We can judge whether a person's motives are wrong or contrary to the teachings of the church. There's a big difference there. One is judging the actions, hoping for correction, but you're doing it in a loving way. And the other one is wishing eternal damnation on their soul. There's a big difference between the two. In a person's status, remember this was written, it was the height of the Roman, one of the, it was like the height of the Roman Empire. Status was a big thing. Women didn't have rights. Okay? So the Didache is telling us when we're judging righteously is that we're, we're not putting a person's status into the mix. We are just solely righteously judging the action not the economic or social status of the person that did the act. 
because we're all the same. Our souls are the same. Christianity is not a caste system. All right. Verse 6. You shall not doubt whether a thing shall be or not be. Verse 7 is interesting. Concerning giving, do not be found holding out your hands to receive, but drawing them in. Now, does this mean that we don't ask for donations or anything? Not at all. So here at the four persons, yes, we do ask for donations. It costs money to keep everything going. Blog Talk Radio is a business, and there is a fee to keep everything going on Blog Talk Radio. Drawing them in. You, my listener, you are of listeners of four persons. You are listening. You're consuming the content. Therefore, you know where your donations are going. We're just not, we just don't have our handout just to put it in our pockets. No one is getting rich off this. Likewise, in our Christian lives. Okay. We need, if we're asking for, if we're asking for money or whatever, we need to be doing the work. That's what it means to draw it in. Which means we don't sit at work and scroll TikTok and Instagram all day. Our employer is paying us. We need to do the work. We are drawing our money in. Does that make sense? When your parish is asking for donations, they're just not sitting back and doing things. Masses are offered. Religious education is happening. There's other programs. The church gives to the needy in the parish. The church does have bills. The electric company isn't going to give the parish electricity for free. The church is doing work for, for the donations that come in. Okay, I hope that makes sense. Verse 8. If you, have, if you have aught passing through your hands, you shall give a ransom for your sins. It goes back to what I was saying before. If we're just asking for money and not doing it, we're not being good stewards, then we need to answer for that sin. We will be judged for that. So if we're asking for donations, whatever our ministries are, there better be some work happening. And we're not just collecting money just for the sake of collecting money. Work of the ministry needs to happen. Okay? Now, personally, in our, in our personal lives, how does this work out? Are we being idle? Are we being lazy? Are we not doing the best we can? Okay, whether in ministry or work, whatever the case is. You know, one of the parts of the Ten Commandments is you, you, you shall not steal. Everyone loves to quote that one in my, in my uh, classes that I teach children. They love that one. Part of stealing is accepting money and not doing everything you said you would do. So a couple of years ago, I did an audio book for a writer. I'm not going to name names. And he still hasn't paid me. That is a sin. He reneged on the contract. Down the bright side, it looks like a check is coming in the mail today. So that's a plus because I could really use the money. I got four kids after all. All right. Verse 9. You shall not hesitate to give. Neither shall you murmur when giving. 
This echoes what St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, the Lord loves a cheerful giver. Have you ever met someone when they're giving? It's like, oh, this is horrible. This is this is dumb. I, I, I can't believe I have to do this. Or this person is going to use it on this and this and this and this and this. Because that's between them and God. Our job is to obey the Holy Spirit and to give to those in need. What they do with that is between them and God. You have your job to do. And it isn't to judge what they do with it. All right, verse 10. You shall know who is the good paymaster of your reward. And verse 11. For you shall not turn away from him that is in need, but shall share with your brother in all things, and not say that anything is exclusively your own. Now, this is interesting. Some may say, oh, that's communism, that's socialism. No, that's not it at all. We are our brother's keeper. You know, when Jesus is giving the parable of the Good Samaritan, the disciples ask them, who is our brother? Guys, everyone is our brother. Everyone is our neighbor. We are to help those in need. It is a work of mercy. That is what our Lord Jesus tells us to do. That's what the Didache is telling us to do. And if we're not doing it, I'm just going to flat out say it, we're wrong. We are wrong. Verse 12, For if you are fellow partakers in that which is imperishable, how much more so in the things which are perishable? You shall not withhold your hand from your son or daughter, but from their youth you shall teach them the fear of God. So we are partaker, We are partaking in what's imperishable, the work of God, the work of the church, because that has eternal that it's eternity is there. It's stuff that doesn't go away. Okay. Long after I'm gone, these shows are going to be around somewhere. The writing I've done is going to be around somewhere. And Lord willing, it's going to help people to lead them to our Lord Jesus Christ and his church. God will provide. We are to provide for our children. Do not withhold your hand from your son or daughter. But from their youth, teach them the fear of God. So we got to discipline our children too. Teach them to love God, to respect God. That's what fear means. Fear mean, doesn't mean to tremble under a desk at the name of God. No, it's to have that reverence for God. The reverence for what he has done for us. The love of Jesus for what he did for us on the cross. To teach them that from the time they are young. None of this, I'm going to wait for them to decide crap that is prominent in our society. Yes, at some point our children will have to decide on their own whether they will follow the faith. But it is our job to instill it in them from the time they are born until they can make that choice on their own. Because if we don't instill that in them... Odds are they will not make that choice on their own because they see it as not a priority. But if we see that it is a priority and we're living that out, we're going to Mass on Sunday, religious education is a priority, we're talking about the church and Jesus, our mother, at home, they're going to say, this is important. And we're leading them the way they should go so that in the end they will not depart from it. Verse 13. 
You should not command your bondservant or your handmaid who trust in the same God as yourself when you are in a bitter mood for fear that by chance they might cease to fear God who is over both of you. Now, obviously, this was written in the time when slavery was still a thing. But this does not minimize this fact. This could go to any part of our lives. We all get in bad moods. I'll be the first to tell you what happens to me. We all get in those funks. But how do we treat other people? Are we being a detriment to their faith? All right. So if I teach the my 15 students on Sunday morning, and I'm just having to be in a bad mood that Sunday, and I walk in taking it out on them, is that a good witness? So are we being good witnesses? We're claiming Christ. We're claiming to be Catholics. We're claiming to be Catholic Christians. But we're not living it out? That's scandalous. And people may cease to believe in God because of how you are treating them. Verse 14. For he comes not to call men with respect to persons, but he comes to those whom the Spirit has prepared. 15. But you servants shall be subject unto your masters as to a type of God in shame and fear. Now, this goes to what I was writing in my book about Philemon. Remember, slavery was a thing. If you were a Christian slave, you were to treat, or a Christian master, you were to treat the slave as a brother in Christ. Did all Christians do that? Absolutely not. We can see many self-proclaimed Christians during the 1800s that did not act that out. And that's what Paul was saying in the letter of Philemon. When he's writing to the slaveholder, You know, he had an escaped slave, and he was sending the slave back, and he was telling the slave owner, treat him like a brother in Christ. So we need to treat everyone like brothers and sisters of Christ. Okay? Now, he's telling the slaves here, or servants, if you want to go that route, as the Didache says, They're not saying to worship their masters or anything, but to respect them. Okay? So the Didache was dealing with a cultural norm at that time. It is no longer a cultural norm. Praise God. But the Didache was also telling slave owners, as Scripture did as well, especially in Philemon, in the letter of Philemon, to treat the slaves as brothers and sisters in Christ. 16, you shall hate all hypocrisy and everything that is not pleasing to the Lord. So yeah, not to like anything that's not pleasing to the Lord, to hate hypocrisy. And let's be honest, I'm just going to say it, we are all hypocrites in one way or another, and it's all something we need to work on. So we need to hate that about ourselves and pray for our Lord Jesus to cleanse us of that. You shall never forsake the commandments of the Lord but shall keep those things which you have received, neither adding to them nor taking away from them. You shall confess your transgressions in church and not go to prayer with an evil conscience. Confession, my friends. Confess your transgressions in church. It doesn't say go into your closet, into your quiet space at home and confess your sins. And there's nothing wrong with that. We should do that on a daily basis. 
but also says confess them in church to be forgiven. And the Didache ends with, this is the way of life. So there we go. We the Chapter 4 of the Didache, the conclusion to the way of life, murmurs a lot of what Scripture says. And we have a mention of the sacrament of reconciliation right here in verse 19. All right, my friends, this concludes the way of life. And God bless you all for tuning in. Hope you're enjoying this journey through the Didache as much as I am. It's a really fascinating book. Uh, we'll continue on next time with what's called the way of death. But within the way of death, we actually have some great Catholic teaching, especially about the Eucharist and baptism. So it's pretty awesome. All right, guys, we'll check you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in. Please share this episode. Please share the work that the four persons is doing. And God bless you all. Take care. Are you struggling to lose weight and keep it off? Tired of wasting time and money on starvation diets that lead to more frustration and stress? If there was a weight loss solution that could actually work for you, would you try it? Then head to Golo.com. I'm Steve. I lost 138 pounds in nine months on Golo. I'm Amber. I've lost 128 pounds with Golo taking release. If you're ready to take back control of your life, head to Golo.com now and see how Golo can work for you. That's G-O-L-O.com. My sleep is way better. My inflammation has gone way down. Golo saved my life. I was way overweight. That's what sent me down the path. I wanted to make sure and live for my kid. I have literally tried everything. I was on the verge of getting gastric bypass surgery, and I saw the Golo commercial, and it was the last thing I tried because it worked. Join over 2 million people who have found a better way to lose weight with Golo. Your healthier and happier life begins at golo.com. That's G-O-L-O dot com. Again, G-O-L-O dot com.